0: Thank you for your welcome. It's been great to be with you in the different sites um, during today. And uh, real privilege as well to speak during your breakthrough series. I knew I was preaching during that series, but only found out from Twitter during the week that actually I was starting it. So <laughs> um, uh, So it's a, that's an even greater privilege than I realized, okay um, and uh, what I've been asked to actually speak on is what it means to be filled with the Spirit, to be drenched, is another word. Uh, well, I'll explain that later. To be baptized in God's Holy Spirit. And uh, so, because that's essential for any sort of breakthrough. Okay, uh, Breakthrough isn't something that we grit our teeth and try and work harder at and somehow hope will happen. It's actually a, an increased sense of dependency and faith on what God is going to do through the Holy Spirit. So, I've been asked to speak on that subject. Now, normally when I preach on Sunday, in Sunday gatherings, I usually speak, uh, preach just from a story in the Bible, explain it, then apply it to our lives. Sometimes I tell the story of the whole Bible just to give people an overview. I'm going to do it differently today because I'm going to read a whole selection of verses from the New Testament. The New Testament is the part of the Bible after Jesus came and uh, the giving his life and the life of the early church. So I'm going to read a whole selection of scriptures from there and then show how these verses and the teaching about the Holy Spirit fit in with God's big story about the Holy Spirit right through the Bible, because the Holy Spirit is mentioned right at the beginning of the Bible, so we need to follow that through. So I'll do an overview in a few minutes of what that means. But here are some Bible readings to show the importance of this message. Okay, first one. This is John the Baptist speaking. John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin, and uh, he was... uh, baptizing lots of people uh, in the River Jordan, and Jesus went to be baptized as well. And it says this, Then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him, that's Jesus. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, The one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that he is the chosen one of God. Okay, so that, that was the final sign to John the Baptist of who Jesus was. One of the church planting things that I've been involved in, helping and supporting and coaching some of the leaders, is in South Sudan. Now, In South Sudan, they were doing evangelism across the villages very successfully. A couple of years ago in August, I remember, they baptized 1,000 in one day, which is quite encouraging. Uh, That's English understatement, you understand? And uh, (laughs) the, uh, but they were showing the Jesus film around lots of the small villages, and their people wouldn't have understood what a dove was because doves aren't everywhere, quite. And so when they met, before they showed the film, they just opened in prayer, and then white birds manifested, not real birds, but in the shape of a bird on lots of the people present. And they just sensed a presence of the supernatural, presence of God, so that when they then saw the Jesus film, which has the scene that I've just read, They could understand what it was about. Okay, so there you are. In another scripture, Jesus says this to his disciples, If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, or another comforter, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit, who leads into all truth. Because that's another work of the Holy Spirit is to lead us to see the truth in God's word. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Jesus had just told his disciples that he was leaving them. and They didn't quite understand what that meant at the time. But he said it's better for you. Because then the Holy Spirit will come and what they were seeing on Jesus, he was with them, they would then experience in them. And then after Jesus rose from the dead, it says this. So when the apostles, that was the leaders of the early church, were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times and they're not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus is teaching his disciples before he ascended into heaven and said you'll receive power. Ten days after he was taken up into heaven. The promise was fulfilled and on the day of Pentecost the Holy Spirit came down Now, the word Pentecost was a Jewish feast which celebrated when Moses went up the mountain and came down with the law. However on this occasion a far greater fulfillment Jesus didn't just go up a mountain he went up to be with his father in glory And came down in the person of the Holy Spirit. That came with the message of grace and forgiveness. And not the law, but grace and forgiveness and power to live. And so that was fulfilled on that occasion. And then later, a few years later, in the book of Acts, which tells about the early church, they were finding that people who were not Jews were coming to faith. Now this was a surprise to them. They knew the gospel had to go to every nation, Jesus had said that, but they assumed that every nation would have to obey the Jewish law, then they could be received in. But, the Holy Spirit had evidently come on lots of these Gentile people, and this is what it says. God knows people's hearts, and he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles, that's non-Jews, by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And so the coming of the Holy Spirit on people was demonstration of God's amazing acceptance of them without even keeping the law. And then the Apostle Paul writes to a church in Rome, he says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we believe in the work of Jesus on the cross we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God not only so but we also glory in our sufferings it's a challenge isn't it because we know that suffering produces perseverance Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. In other words, it's not just something you're looking for, but rather, he says, because God's love has now been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who he has given to us. In other words, you know God loves you because Jesus died for you, but you experience God loves you because he pours out his love through the Holy Spirit. And then the writer to Hebrews says this about the gospel. So what makes us think we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was first announced by the Lord Jesus himself, then delivered to us by those who heard him speak, and God confirmed the message by giving signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit whenever he chose. In other words, our gospel was told by Jesus... Witnessed to by all those that were with Jesus and then confirmed by the power of God working through signs, wonders and miracles. That's how the gospel was presented in that book. Okay, so those are a few scriptures that just demonstrate not only the importance of this but the varied way in which the Holy Spirit moves. Okay, so what's the Holy Spirit then? In the big story of the Bible. You see, the Old Testament always looked forward to something that's going to happen. That's what the Old Testament, that's the time before, that's written before Jesus came, was always looking forward. And Right at the beginning, we find the Holy Spirit is described as hovering over the chaotic state of the universe at that time, over the waters, and it's the story of how God, the Creator, brought order into disorder. And uh, the Holy Spirit was hovering, waiting to bring order to creation. You know, the Holy Spirit isn't the one that brings disorder. The Holy Spirit puts everything together in the right way, and... uh, So, but in in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit is not described as permanently dwelling within people, but came on special people at special times for special jobs. So he came upon prophets, priests, and kings. They were anointed, we say, as a symbol of the Holy Spirit coming upon them and came upon people who had God called to a special purpose. One example was a guy called Samson, who we know of because he's the very strong man, so we imagine rippling muscles, but actually he probably didn't have rippling muscles. He was probably as weak as me and some of you. I know there's people here with rippling muscles, but uh, because he because said, No, he wasn't like that. Because the Philistines, the enemy, said, How do you get this strength? If they were looking at his muscles, <laughs> they would know how he got his strength. But actually, it was because the Holy Spirit came upon him from time to time. Not all the time, but from time to time. On one occasion, a lion came out to attack him and the Holy Spirit came upon him and he ripped the lion in pieces. Now, this, that's not going to be the effect of this particular message, don't worry. But uh, but the, the, it, it demonstrates the Holy Spirit came on for special purposes. On another occasion, they wanted to... Uh, Uh, build a place for them to worship God and they wanted it to be made beautiful as they were going through the wilderness and they needed really skilled craftsmen. The Bible says the Holy Spirit came on Bezalel and another guy called a holy hap you don't have to remember the names if you don't want to, but in order to enable them to do all sorts of creative artistic work. So that's another example of what the Holy Spirit did in the Old Testament. But it was special people at special times for special tasks. However, the Old Testament was always looking forward. And so it looked forward to an era or age of the Holy Spirit that would have the following characteristics. Firstly, an anointed one would come. The Old Testament saying, one day a Messiah has come, is, will come. Messiah simply means anointed one. One anointed with the Holy Spirit. That's all the word means. Christ is the Greek word for Messiah. And so, one day, there's got to be this special servant come who will bring good news to the poor, who will do uh, all sorts of amazing things, who will set people free. That one will come. One on whom the Holy Spirit is. Also, the Old Testament teaches looks forward to, one day, God says, I will put my spirit within people. They would d- the Holy Spirit would dwell within people as part of the new covenant. That's the, the way we live by, um, by faith in God through his forgiveness. As part of the new covenant blessing, the Holy Spirit lives within people. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. But also, just as the Holy Spirit came on special people at special times for special tasks, in the future, the prophet Joel says, I will pour out my spirit on... All God's people, or all flesh, literally. But all God's people. In other words, it's not a question of a few anointed leaders anymore. It's a question, rather, of all God's people being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Those, that was the, 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 the third promise of what the Old Testament was looking forward to. Okay? A Messiah, Holy Spirit within us, the Holy Spirit upon us in power. And fourthly, it looked forward to a day when there will be a new, renewed temple. A temple being where God's Spirit met with men and women. And there will be a new temple. So those are the four promises. And a river was going to flow from that temple to bless the dark places of the world. That's amazing promises we were looking forward to and the people of the old testament wouldn't understand it but they were straining forward something's going to happen then it's all fulfilled in what we call the new testament which records the life of jesus and the early church firstly jesus born of the spirit of god the holy spirit overshadowed mary and the son of god jesus was born was anointed by God at his baptism in the way that we've um, read earlier and so John the Baptist said, here he is here's the Messiah the promise is being fulfilled that's the first promise that's happened now then the New Testament describes how when we come to know Jesus when we come to believe in him our side of it is repentance and believing But actually, what is also happening, which we don't always understand at the time, is that the Holy Spirit is working within us to cause us to be, as the Bible says, born again. The Holy Spirit within us, and somehow that Holy Spirit within us starts changing our life from the inside. I remember one guy who was saved in the very early days of our church, and I still remember him saying this. Um... He was a t- complete unbeliever, got saved in one of our meetings, and he said, I went to work on the Monday, and everybody started swearing. <laughs> well, of course, they didn't start swearing and using bad, using bad language and blaspheming. It was just he'd been born again. Something was happening within him so that he was noticing things that he had never even dreamt of noticing before. You understand? Because it changes from the inside. That's new birth. And, uh, and if you're not a believer if that hasn't happened, because it says in the, and that and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. And this is God dwelling within us, giving us another counsellor who will be with us forever, the spirit of truth. The world can't accept him, neither it sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you, that was when Jesus was here, and then we'll be in you. So the Holy Spirit is in us as believers. That fulfilled now. That's the second promise. Third promise was what? <sighs> come on. <laughs> the Holy Spirit will come upon people in power and upon all God's people, not just a few. I just wanted to make sure you were still awake, okay? <laughs> And I'm used to preaching in places because I preach all around the world where people respond when I speak, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, that's right. Okay. Paul said to the Jew, I became a Jew. And I sometimes think, Paul, you were a Jew. And then I have to remember, yeah, And David, you have to become English to reach the English sometimes. Okay, so... <laughs> and so... That that was the promise that was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came upon his church for acts of power and for gifts and for witnessing and all the things I'll talk about in a moment. And so that was fulfilled. So a Messiah has come, first promise fulfilled. The Holy Spirit works within us, second promise fulfilled. The Holy Spirit comes upon us in power, third promise fulfilled. And the fourth one was a new temple. Well done. Okay? So what about that? There'll be a new temple, a new place where God meets with men and women. Where was that? Well, where was the temple when Jesus was here? Where was the temple? Jerusalem? No. Okay. That was no longer where God met with men. When Jesus was here, God met with men and women in Jesus. And so the temple came out onto the streets. Okay, And it's interesting, in the ministry of Jesus, he kept touching the people that weren't allowed to go into the temple. So he touched lepers. They weren't allowed in the temple. So the temple came to the lepers. A woman who was bleeding internally, they, a woman in those circumstances wasn't allowed in the temple. It was tough. Okay? Jesus came to her. Crippled people, not allowed into the temple. Jesus came to them. Because now, the new temple is not a building you go into. The new pe- temple is the presence of God come in Jesus. And Jesus an- announced that no longer... Would God be worshipped either in a mountain or in Jerusalem? Rather, everywhere across the whole earth where people worship, they're, they're worshipping in spirit and truth. That's where the temple is now. Okay? He de Zionized worship. It's no longer in one place, it's all across the world. and uh, And so, and we are now. If we're believers, a temple of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. So, where's the temple now? <laughs> In yeah. You're the new temple. When you go to work or go to university tomorrow, the temple of God is going there. The presence of God is going there to meet with people. Come on, look as if you believe it, okay? <laughs> you're going there, you're carrying the presence of God. But more than that, we, when we're together, we are being built, the Bible says, into a temple where God lives by his spirit. That's why we must plant churches everywhere, because everywhere over the whole earth are there to be places where God lives by his spirit. And the glory of God fills the earth. Okay. So what is this experience of the Holy Spirit? Firstly, it's a rich, powerful experience. The word baptism meant to drench, soak, or die, or even sink. If a ship sank, it was said it was baptized in the, in the sea. Okay. Now, I know we have the practice of bringing people out again when we baptize them, but uh, the, the word could have been used in that sense. It could be used for dyeing cloth. So, my dear wife here, who's had to endure listening to me three times already today, uh, (laughs) you know, having that nice yellow uh, cardigan on, she wanted to turn it blue in New Testament time, she would have baptized it in some blue dye, totally immersed it in some blue dye. That's what the word meant. And so... It speaks of abundance. There's other words used in the Bible. Poured out. Another word is filled. Now being filled isn't like being a glass, you know, you could say, well this glass is half full and if I poured a bit more in it would be filled. That's not the idea. It's more the, uh, because you can spill it a bit, can't you? It's more the idea of the wind filling a sail. And Let's put the sail up and the wind fills it. Or and it's also something to be received. It's not something we're passive about. It's not when it sort of happens automatically. No, no. When you came to Christ, you were involved as well as God. Okay, God worked within you, you responded in faith. You say, Yes, I'm gonna follow Jesus. I'm going to believe this. Similarly, as we go on being filled with the Spirit, it's not something that's passive. It's something we're reaching out, saying, in faith, I believe you're going to fill me for this task that I'm about to do. And it's for purpose. So, firstly, there's power to live. It is living by the Spirit that we overcome what is wrong in our lives. Uh, Paul writes this, in order that the righteous requirement of the law, now that doesn't mean all fulfilling all the details of the law which applied in Old Testament times. It is rather that what pleases God is now fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit. There's power to witness. You will be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, uh, uh, sorry, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And when the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost, it was like a sign of mission. They all spoke in languages that the people around understood. That was a sign that every language is going to glorify God. And so it's for power, for mission. In Jerusalem, for you, that's Leeds. Judea, that's the region around. as a lot big as they like to make it. Okay? Samaria... That's those who are close to you geographically, but different culturally. And praise God in Britain today, we've got lots of that. In Leeds, you've got lots of other cultures. Great preaching. I love preaching cross-culturally. Wonderful to reach out cross-culturally. You have to learn a few things. But just amazing to see it. That's Samaria. Then the ends of the earth is going all over the world with the gospel. Okay, and then we receive the ability to operate in the dimension of spiritual gifts. For example, sometimes he gives us the ability, often he gives us the ability to pray in other languages or worship in other languages. So that when we feel we can't really say it anymore in English, you know, does anyone else struggle with praying sometimes? What do we say next, Lord? Lord? I've just, my heart's full, but somehow I can't get it out. Well, God gives us a language. They call it speaking in languages or old-fashioned words speaking in tongues in order to enable us to communicate with God. Or maybe a prophetic, a prof- prophecy or other things, or maybe just, no, it's not just, that's the wrong word, other things that we do. The gift of service, it says. You know, if you got here early to set this place up. And you said, hallelujah, I'm being anointed by the Spirit to have a gift of serving these people when they come. That's just as supernatural. Or, and we receive assurance of the love of God. The love of God, it says, is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. We believe, we believe Jesus died for it loves us because Jesus died for us. We believe that objectively. But by the Holy Spirit, that love is not just objective, it's not just by faith, it's inexperience poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's how the Bible presents it. Uh, Around 400 years ago, there was a Puritan preacher who put it like this. He said, just imagine a father walking along with a young son. That son, if his good father, knows the father loves him. But he said, every so often, the father will bend down, lift up his son, and give him a hug. Then he experiences that he loves him. And that Puritan preacher said, that's Romans 5, verse 5. It's not just that we know it. It's actually that we experience the love of God by the Holy Spirit. And to form a spirit-filled community. It's not just an individual experience. You see, in English language we have a problem. Okay, English isn't the language of the Bible, as you well know. And In English language now, nowadays, we only have one word for you which is both singular and plural. Many languages have, and English used to, it used to be the and ye. Okay, but not many of you speak like that. Well, I suppose you do in Yorkshire, don't you? But, uh, sorry, that just slipped out. Uh, You can take it off the recording. But the, uh, But often English language speakers, therefore, interpret often things in scripture that are for the whole company of people as being just for me. So when it says be filled with the spirit, the context is there. be a spirit-filled community. It says singing to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Not, Not just you on your own, Well, you can do that on your own, but that's not what he's talking about there. Submitting to one another, and you can't do that on your own, out of reverence for Christ. Be that community which is filled with the Spirit. And Jesus told stories about it. So in John 7, he was teaching at another of the Jewish feasts, the Feast of Tabernacles, which is when they celebrated the time they spent 40 years in the wilderness. And on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, the priests used to bring in these huge, huge vessels full of water and used to pour it out. And it was the most joyful part of the ceremony. In fact, a writer at the time said, "If you've not, he who has not seen the outpouring of the water has never really experienced joy. And as the priests were doing that, It says, on the last day of the feast, which is when they did it, Jesus stood and cried in a loud voice, anyone thirsty? Is there anyone? (laughs) Is anyone thirsty? Anyone thirsty? Thirsty for more of him? Thirsty in our souls? Jesus said, let him come to me and drink. And out of his innermost being will flow rivers of a living water to bless people around. And he says, in this he spoke of the Holy Spirit, which was not yet given because Jesus had not yet gone back to heaven to be, and been glorified. Jesus told these stories about it. So how do we receive the power of God in this way? Obviously, the first step was repent and believe the gospel, and then we are born again of the Spirit. But there's also much more. We need to keep on receiving and experiencing the power of God in all the other ways that I spoke about as well. And to do so, firstly, we need to believe the truth. We need to be convinced it's God's word for us to experience him through the Holy Spirit. That's why I read a lot of scripture today, to to get this across. This is so important. Secondly, we are to be repentant. This is not just a once-off time when we first come to know Jesus, but we're living lives of discipleship that are going in the opposite direction to how we would go naturally by ourselves. And we're saying, Lord, I'm wanting to keep following you. Fill me. Fill me. Thirdly, we are to be thirsty or desire it earnestly. That's the story I told from Jesus. You know, he shouts out, anyone thirsty? It's not just sort of, well, I'm living my Christian life. I'm thirsty for his presence. I'm thirsty for his power. I'm thirsty for his love to be poured out upon me and through me to bless the world. And we're to ask. Jesus said this. He was talking to father's presence and he was giving an illustration. He said, which father's of you? If your child asks for a piece of bread, we'll say... Have a stone instead. You know, get your teeth round that. <laughs> if he's asking for a fish, what father of you would say, Ah, oh, you want a fish? You know, close your eyes, open your hands. <laughs> Here's a snake. No, no, you wouldn't do that. He said, You, though you are evil. Not very complimentary at that point. Though you are evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who believe in Him, who ask Him? So ask. Empower me, Lord. Let the Spirit of God come on me again. And we're to receive. And reach out in faith. So we're not passive. We may lay hands on each other. Believing this can be a symbol of the Holy Spirit being received. But remember. This is a question. Not just of believing that the Holy Spirit is there. But experiencing. His love. His power. His being amongst us. His gifts. And enjoying the presence of God. Let's pray together shall we. think we could stand together. It's not compulsory if you prefer to sit; that's fine. But let's stand and be an attitude of coming before the Lord and saying, "I want to receive from you." Be eager to receive. We stayed in Halifax yesterday and today because our uh, daughter and son-in-law and grandchildren are there. And uh, this morning was. One of our grandson's birth- birthday, he was 10 today. And I tell you, we sat around the bed for his presence, and he was eager to receive, okay? <laughs> A 10-year-old, and it's his birthday, and one decade of love of life is done, okay? And he was eager to receive, and he was excited to receive you like that? Are <laughs> you like that to receive the power of God? To receive the love of God poured into your heart? Let's be eager. Let's say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to give me today? Father, thank you. You give how much more the Heavenly Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Why don't you ask him? Ask him for more of his power. Ask him for, and it's not just his power, it's more of him. It's his Holy Spirit. He said, I'll pour out my spirit on all of you. All God's people, all God's people will keep on receiving this amazing gift of power, of love. Spirit we're thirsty for you come upon us Holy Spirit move we want this time of breakthrough to be breakthrough Father in Jesus name I pray that your Holy Spirit will so work in this church that during this time of breakthrough, they'll see breakthroughs in in supernatural healings. I pray it for them, Lord. I pray, oh God, we are saying, why not? You confirmed your word by signs, wonders, and miracles, is what the Bible says. And you're still doing that because your Holy Spirit is still with us. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit. I pray, I pray, Lord, that you would, be that during this time of breakthrough, we'll be those who move in a new dimension of power, but also a new dimension of experiencing the love of God. Thank you, Lord, that the Holy Spirit that uh, we hope for the future doesn't disappoint us, Lord, because now you pour out your love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, You've given us all. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray. I pray for people who want to hear, who want to move, who want to experience you in particular spiritual gifts. I pray for those who have never spoken in other languages. Release them to be able to speak in other languages to you. Lord, I pray. I ask you to do that. I ask you for those who have never yet brought words of prophecy to others. Lord, I pray. Give them that spiritual gift by your Holy Spirit, Lord, please.